In two days, make sure you go to PretzCon, April 12th through 14th. I'll be there. Yeah, I'll be there. I will too. I won't. Jeff won't be there. Come early. We will have some games going right off the bat. I'm not a werewolf, but I'm your host, Scott (sighs) O'Dell. I'm joined by host Cordy Jorgensen. Hey, Scott. I'm not a werewolf either. I'm not even playing. Host Jeff Gars. I haven't seen you guys in so long. It's so great to see all your smiling faces. And guest host Peter Evans. Hello. Jeff's being facetious. We record three episodes in a row. Yes. Or no, we don't. That's not how the sausage is made. Scott's just giving away all the trade secrets. Ruining everything. Speaking of trade secrets, today we're going to be talking about Cody's trip to Gamma Trade Show, which is the Game Makers Association trade show. It is a... uh, More like game publishers, right? Well, the Game Makers Association is the name. Gamma. Game Makers Association. Uh, And so there were 500 retailers in attendance. Uh, which are sort of the lowest level of attendee. You can't you can't go unless you're a retailer, publisher, distributor, or designer. This is one of those conventions I've always wanted to go to, but I probably will never get to unless Spielbound sends me. Yeah, hint, it hint, was it, it was. Pr- I mean, it, it it was pretty intense. I mean, uh, you'll be seeing some some customer end changes here at Spielbound because of the like back end seminars about. I different, mean, Cody different and his wife were willing to go, so yeah, and like, we, I didn't really want to. We know. came away from it thinking, well, more of us have to go to this next year. So yeah, so it was a really good event. Uh, it, it was nice because you got FaceTime with with publishers and with designers and with distributors. So oh yes, I just need to. I'm charading to, right to Peter that Cody needs a knife. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, so, uh, that's Jeff. Jeff is, Jeff is still alive, but he should set the knife down. Uh, did not realize I handed it to a four-year-old. So <laughs> oh Almost cut my finger off. Oh <laughs> Jeff cannot All right, we I was closing it before I handed it back. Okay, I that was the there right we move. go. Uh, so uh, a lo- there's just a ton of stuff. I have so much to talk about, um, but I want to. L- I think I'm just going to lead with the most fun thing that's right here, the toy, right? So I this play- will be gone by the time this episode goes up, though, right? I don't think so. I, oh. I don't know what we're going to do with them exactly. So first of all, I played Keyforge, which was which was definitely one of the most buzzed games. Peter, have you played event. Keyforge? I have not. It's not Jeff. One have you played? I've not. All right. So I hadn't either. But then I played in a tournament. Uh, got some some fancy. Uh, Did you win? Uh, I won my first game, but it was also a, a game night where you could go like learn from designers and publishers. So after the first round, I checked the box for yes, I win, and also yes, I would like to bow out of the tournament. Uh, so uh, I got for attending, they gave you a free deck of KeyForge cards. So uh, I'm just going to give the quick rundown on KeyForge for those who don't know. A KeyForge is a two-player card game similar to all the other trading card game or living card game or collectible card game like magic or netrunner there's you know two people each trying to score some side type of point is it a deck builder uh and that's the unique thing about keyforge it, it is the two player version of the game but there is absolutely no deck building which for me i find to be a plus that to me is a thing i don't like about uh the two player card games i don't like deck building i don't like i just don't like that part of the game it, it's a it is the reason a lot of people play the game and for me, I don't like it. I don't like that part of the time. I just like the human interaction part of it. So they uh, this is designed by Richard Garfield. Uh, you will know him from Magic the Gathering uh, as well as um, King of Tokyo and a thousand Tokyo. other board games. Bunny Kingdom. Oh, no, Bunny of- Kingdom. 
So Richard Garfield, uh, and I think there might be another name attached. I don't have anything up uh, in front of me to know. Um, d- designed this game, and the hook to the game is there are 370 cards in the set, and they have, through their printing process, you get a unique deck of 30 cards. It is a absolutely unique deck. It will never be made. That version will never be made again. It is given a unique name with a automated name generator. And the picture of your Archon on the back is unique as well. So they there are these glowing mechanical looking figures uh, of a different of several different Much colors. Much like StarCraft. Very StarCraft looking, yes. They, they all look like Protoss for those who play StarCraft. Uh, and so there are all of these decks in this game. And so you get your unique deck, and that is the deck you play with. It has a QR code. You scan it into the tournament to, to let the player people know that it is a unique deck. Um, and then you play with that deck. So you're like... That's a draw to the game? Yeah. It's like very, your deck it, might be crap? It's super casual. So there are a couple of things... <laughs> a lot of them are crap. That, <laughs> yes. There are a couple of things that, that make the game interesting. One, you can play sealed tournaments where you just get the deck. Yeah. You get the deck, you play the deck, you see how you do. Uh, you can also... Um, there is a tournament mode where you bring a deck, you bring the worst deck you possibly can, and you give it to your opponent. And Ooh, so you play, that's fun. You play the terrible deck, and then if you win, you take your deck back and you move on. Uh, so there, there's that version where you can bring your horrible decks and play that way. Uh, and they also have a system built in to where the better a deck does, you can handicap it at the beginning of the game. And there's a, a hand size handicap that slowly goes away during the game. So um, what's the gameplay? Uh, the, so you have your cards have three different like there's I want to say there are seven factions, and your deck will be comprised of cards from three of those factions. Uh, and on your turn, you pick one of those three factions, and then you can play those cards from that faction. So you can play monsters, you can play spells, you can play instant effect things. So do you draw a certain number in your hand. And yeah, play. you draw a certain number. So you draw, you, play, draw, you draw play. play, draw play, draw okay. play. Yeah, and you can only play one of the factions. So if you've, you've got six cards and you've got two of each faction in your hand, you're only going to be able to play those two. But so uh, you're trying to lower the health of your opponent. Like you're trying. Magic. Well, what you're trying to do is to reap mana. I don't remember what they call it. Amber, uh, and you reap the amber, and once you have six amber then you can uh, forge, a key. forge a key. And the first person to forge... <laughs> first person to... F- yes. Forge. The first person to forge smile three like. keys <laughs> wins the game. Uh, it's it's fun. It's light. The way that different decks play, uh, the games can go on really quickly or they can just go on in perpetuity. Tournament modes usually have a timer on it just to like end some of the weird combos. Uh, but the reason I bring it up now is one, I got to play in the tournament, which was interesting, and I, I do like the game. Uh, and two, for attending this event, we got 12 custom decks that fit into the absolute unique nature. There will never be decks with these exact cards in them, but they have our store name on them. And I haven't actually looked at them yet to see what the names of the decks are. So we can go around Robin here. Uh, we'll give everybody a handful of these. So I'm still confused. Yeah. So how many possibilities for for combinations. Did we figure that out? There, yes, there's 37 cards out of 370 total. 104 septillion possible deck combinations. So unless this game sells really well. <laughs> so, but you were saying you're supposed to put why would you record the information in an app? And ha- how could you handicap it if there's only one of those decks Because they don't want the people like putting decks together. So if you use the No, I, I get that, but you can't if, if each deck is unique, then you don't need to like worry about handicapping it, do you? Each no, because some are better than others. Equal. So yeah, they're saying. No, I get what you're saying. Okay, 
So they're they're trying to find a way to rate them so they can have a tournament where it's more Somewhat even. Somewhat fair, yeah. I really like the idea of the uh, bring the worst deck you can, you can yeah. find. Yeah, that, that actually is the, uh, the first so thing that's made I, me I think, oh, like I should try that. If we've done enough of the of tournaments here, I think we'll start adding that tournament here as well. So we have uh, these 12 unique named decks. So we're just going to now, uh, uh, reading them now, oh. here are the 12 Spielbound and, deck names. And they all have the word Spielbound uh, They all have them, the Spielbound, which is the yep. special custom thing for... So starting, I'll go. The first one I have is Daphne, Spielbound Artist. Who's the Spielbound artist? I Daphne. Have, I, oh, yeah. I have found my deck. It is a red a red Archon, and the name is The One Who Debates Spielbound. <laughs> you debate, do you debate on behalf of Spielbound, or do you debate... It debates with Spielbound. Yes, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> All right. I have got Calvin, Marina Cloak of Spielbound. The Marina Cloak All of right. Spielbound. I have... Spielbound's insincere triangle, <laughs> which I feel like describes a, the table. three of us. <laughs> that's the most quite well. Yeah, that's the Spielcast one right there. All right, next up, I got a yellow archon that actually has a triangle, but not in the word. Uh, Auric, the hacker of Spielbound. There that sounds go. like a, a generated one. Nell, Metropolis Guide of Spielbound. Ooh, a guide of Spielbound. It's, it's the Metropolis Ooh. guide. So it's whoever tells people that we are a fun place to go in Omaha. That's Caleb's one. <laughs> All right. So this one might be fought over. This is Zilla, the Spielbound misfit. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. I have the Surgeon Scavenger of Spielbound. I think that's Steve because yeah. he's just always yeah, downstairs, yeah. like sort like swimming through games, yes. and then and then also performing surgery upon them. All right, right yes. my my last one is Starsky, Villa Rancher of Spielbound. What is a Villa Rancher? I think that's Corey, right? Like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my last one is Shine, the Guide of Spielbound. All right, so All this, right. this one I, I kind of like. Uh, it's Piotr, the Spielbound Organ Scholar. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be Caleb, right? Organ the scholar. Organ Scholar, the right? The Organ Scholar, yes. <laughs> well, who likes to play games with naked women the most? Or is it organ like, <laughs> is it organ like the instrument? Oh, it could be. In which case, it yeah, might be might you, be Cody. It's exciting. And the last one, which I think fits all of us. Well, I think Peter, if, if you don't know, is the Peter. Russian name yeah. for Peter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, so maybe it's you. <laughs> that's what we're saying. Uh, this one, I think, this is, a, this is the everyman's deck. Everyone at Spielbound fits this role. This is Tanaquil, Spielbound Tutor. Oh, there you go. Tanaquil. That sounds like a pharmaceutical for yes. sure. Yes, it does. But it doesn't <laughs> have a Z Tanaquil. or Y in it. Ask so, your doctor about So Tanaquil. we haven't decided how we're going to distribute these. I, I would imagine that the Spielcast would probably claim dibs on some sort of one to be able to give away for some reason. Uh, but we'll see. I'm sure we'll have a tournament where we give one away as a prize. And who knows? We have not had that debate yet. But yeah, we got those. So that was fun. Uh, moving on, because holy cow. Okay, so who here likes rolling right games? Everyone's going to have to, because that's all that's coming out. Yeah, if you're <laughs> not sick of rolling right games. I don't even know what a rolling right is. Yahtzee. Oh, Contra so clever. like roll through the ages? Is that what it's called? Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, any anything where you roll dice and then mark on a pad of paper a one time use pad. To I like, don't like those games really at all. Uh, well, if you're not sick of them yet, you're gonna be because holy cow, there's a lot of them. To Why the point. Is that, do you think? 
Because they're easy to produce, they're yeah, easy to teach and play. Paper and dice. And they they have been popular. The Ganshon Clever or That's So Clever won Spiel des Jahres, and so now everybody's making one. You know what's better than Yahtzee? Can't Stop. We have it in the library. Can't Stop. It's an amazing It's game. a roll and write, I'm assuming? No, it's not a roll and write. You just oh. roll dice, and then you can, it's a pressure luck game because you oh, can't okay. stop. Gotcha. So if a free plug, because I think this is a great name, but there's actually a roll and write on Kickstarter right now called Roland... Right, Roland Wright. Yes, <laughs> that's kind of the a recurring joke is that like Roland Wright is a designer. Yeah, yeah. So the I, here's how I know we've reached peak Roland Wright and we have jumped the shark on Roland Wright. I sat through a seminar with I want to say Asmo Day, maybe whoever does patchwork, uh, and they announced that's Asmo Day. Uh, they announced patchwork doodle, the Uwe Rosenberg. Uh, Roland Wright, where you play, it's very similar to Patchwork, and I thought it was pretty good uh, game where you move along, and, and whenever somebody selects the card, everybody fills that in on their quilt. Uh, so you're you're moving around and, and grabbing different things, and yeah. So it's Patchwork. It's Karuba. Pat- I think I think yeah. one of the one of the benefits to Roland Wright, which we'll talk about in just a moment mm-hmm. with the game we played, many of them can be played in as big of a group as you want. Yeah. And that's really the the selling point. So the fact that they made a patchwork into a roll and write is not how I know we've jumped the shark. An hour later, I realized we jumped the shark. Betrayal. When Indie Boards and Cards announced that they also have an Uwe Rosenberg roll and write called Second Chance. Uwe Rosenberg has done two roll and writes for this year. Come what is, on, what Uwe. Is Second Chance? He probably did it in an second. afternoon, though. That's the thing. Yeah, so Second Chance <laughs> or is Or not at a, all, just put his name on it. Sure, here's a check. It is in the world of, what's the garden floor one? Uh, or the Indian floor? Spring. Yeah, Indian Spring. Uh, Indian Summer. Indian, Indian Summer. Summer. It's in that world um, where tetra- there's car- instead of rolling, you flip. And so you flip two cards. There's a Tetris-like Configuration. This conversation Every, is everybody gross. Picks one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What it feels like is he was making patchwork doodle, and he went on a design tangent, and it went so far that he was like, "Oh, this is a different game," but I really like it, and so he just cut that arm off of the game and made that version of the game as well. Like it's ridiculous that there are two of them, and they were on every other table was a roll and write at this event. Like it was, they were everywhere. That's so crazy. So get ready for it. My, my personal pick was doodle for the better of the two, but who's to say, I mean, so who knows? anybody who's interested in these, there are copies of railroad Inc at Spielbound here. Mm-hmm. That is a very good one that came out last year. Very good roll and write. Uh, and it's in the library. So you can at least give it a shot before, before you try yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Roland Rights, those are going to be a big deal. Speaking of Roland Rights, how about the game that we played that's basically a Roland Right? Oh yeah, Tiny Town, right? We played yeah. an AEG which stands for Alderac Entertainment Group. Not it's not a Roland Right, but it's in the same uh yeah, spiritual it's got family. A bingo Hall World called Tiny Towns from Peter McPherson. Yes, so Cody brought this McPherson. back Gamma. I did bring this back. I am excited about this game. I think this game is good and so good that I wanted you guys to play it. I'm excited to hear your I know I I I did that thing where I taught the game and you guys don't need kid gloves, so I destroyed you in the game. But I feel like you would all destroy me back now if we played another. Game. I don't know. I did pretty horrible. <laughs> Peter, Peter I actually scored lost negative points. six. I, 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 I could have done. I owed I you one done, for wingspan. So I could have done better had I just watched. <laughs> what was your score, Cody? Thirty-six. Yeah. Oh. No, thirty-three. I was twenty-six. Thirty-three, twenty-six. So you beat Peter by forty. Okay. Yeah. So it is a game. 
We got that. That's a Scott Odell seal so, of approval. Cody, give us the you, – you're the one who knows it. Give sure. us the 30-second uh, pitch. So in tiny towns, everybody has a 4x4 four four oh, grid. 30 seconds and I got six Yeah. Words. Everybody gets a 4x4 four four grid, uh, and there will be six different buildings that you can build, uh, and there are five different resource types. And each building will have a combination of resources that you have to put on your board to build that building. Uh, on a player's turn, they'll pick a resource. I'm assuming they have names, but we just called out color. Uh, one person says, I want to place a yellow. Everybody takes a yellow and puts it somewhere on their board. Uh, then the next person calls out a color. Everybody takes a color, puts it on their board. As soon as you've made the correct combination in the correct shape of the correct colors, you can build one of the buildings, which will score you points and give you an effect. You build that building somewhere within the the places that you placed the resources to make that correct shape like an l or a square uh you place that building there you wipe the rest off and then you have more room to build more buildings uh as you go you go around till nobody can uh, play any more buildings at which point you score all the buildings on your tableau it's uh super variable for each you know each of the six different buildings there was five or six different buildings you could have had so you randomize them out you never know what type of buildings you're going to be playing with a ton of different strategies based on those combos one really smart thing this game does that other ones that are similar where you all like karuba where you draw a card everybody places the same thing is they've got a monument that is different for everyone and they they encourage you to build those early so Mm -hmm. that all of a sudden everybody's got a different game state you can't sit there and copy what your neighbor's doing right Yep. Right, and that's I think that's super important because otherwise we would have all had a cottage within the first three turns. And then when I realized that Scott wasn't going for a cottage, he was going for his monument, that's when the game started to change and we all started to kind of take these different branch paths. I'm a game changer. Game yeah. changer. And that's when <laughs> I was ruined yeah. right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, so there, there's a lot, I think, to like about this game. I do have a couple of minor criticisms, but I'll get into those after we talk about Is the name things. one of them? Well, the name's terrible, but that's not a criticism <laughs> of the game itself. <laughs> Uh, the Scott. game is better than the name Tiny Towns. Scott, what did you think of this game? Um, I thought I liked it because you can, since on your turn, I like it for two reasons. Number one, there's a lot of player action interaction because I'm planning to build buildings in a certain way on my board and I need a certain resources and three-fourths of the time I'm not making a decision about what resources I'm getting. Now, there's only five resources, so there's only so much damage you guys could do. But I like that part about it. Yeah, and there was like, you know, I believe somebody complained about somebody calling you. Jeff called a gray, and somebody complained about it, and I was like, well, I could play another gray. So I could pull. I was like, right, well, you yes. hated that well, gray. In that same exact moment, I could have used either a gray or a red. It didn't matter to me. So I looked at Cody's board and saw, oh, it looks like he's building a cottage, which means he's going to want a red right. real soon. Mm-hmm. So I can play my gray. Hope he calls a red and get both of them, and then he called another gray, and I was like, oh, "Dang it!" Like I, so, yeah. the player interaction I think is really, really good here. And so, this game plays one to six, but it will play up to as many people as you have copies for. You could play thirty-six people in the same game if you wanted to, but right. you would play it differently. You'd play it with standard card calls that everybody gets. Not you can by the do player. that. You can also just go around a circle. I, I would probably well, suck at that level though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, one ever out of every thirty-six. Turns, I guess I said pick. I said three fourths of the time you don't get to pick a resource. Yeah, I guess that depends on how many four players. Four players yeah. Are, yeah. yeah, so in six players, that might be. Yeah, at six players, you're really not getting a well, very good decision. The, the one thing I would say that I did that I would do completely differently is there's one I uh, was at the warehouse that allows you to store cubes on it, but yeah. those cubes are negative points for you. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to build one of those. They take a long time to build, and you know they're they're good potential for losing points at the end. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I needed the entire game was somewhere to bury the <laughs> yeah, cubes that I couldn't yep. place. So, uh, but Well, the other thing I liked about it real quick, mm-hmm. um, the other thing I loved about it is I love games that have simultaneous play. Since it's a collar game, I pick a cube. You, you're all picking the same cube. So we're all doing an action at the same time. We're all, all always doing an action. And you're especially always doing an action if you have someone in the game who's like, whose turn is it? All right. And then... Yeah. Which, like, this is maybe the only game I've played in a long time where we were waiting on Scott. No, that's not true. We were waiting on Scott a few Once. times. Once. We were waiting on <laughs> we were waiting on Cody most of it's the good. time. So I have anyone have but a Cody won. I have, Cody I have two minor criticisms Go of for this it. game. So my first one is the variability is great for the different buildings. There's like six different cards each building can be. It definitely felt like in our combination, some of those buildings were not going to be nearly as powerful as others. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And maybe you could call that not a terrible thing, but like I think Peter's the only person who bought a market. Yeah, I was I was yeah forced into a market basically because a color came up and the only place I could put it to potentially build something with it was to build a market. Mm. And point wise, comparatively, the markets were not going to to work because they took four cubes to build and were only worth one point per. Uh, yeah. Each one in the I mean, row, theoretically, so. if you built four markets in a row, though, you would have scored 16 points off of those four markets. So, right. But getting that to happen can be really tricky in the game. Yeah, yeah you'd have to do that right off the bat because mm-hmm. of the... Now, but if you play a two-player game, you have you have yeah. a lot more a control yeah, over half fair. of the and, resources. And none of us even tried the green building strategy, which probably could have broken the game yeah. if somebody would have succeeded on it. Like yeah. there were there were other ways we could have played that we just didn't because we were just exploring the game. Well, and the, and the second criticism, which I don't think is as bad of a criticism probably on all of our second games, uh, but it was certainly hurt us this time is that whoever is the last person to fill their board up has a pretty big advantage because they can just oh, start yeah. putting whatever cubes they want. Mm-hmm. And granted, Cody knew that, and I think that was part of his strategy. So he didn't fill up much of his board. So at the end, he had maybe six or eight spaces. Yeah, that I were got not to just filled. I just got to run rampant on my right. own while you all started scoring, which yeah. probably made the difference. I mean, me, probably made yeah. the difference in the game. Yeah, it makes me wonder if you shouldn't, you know, be forced to keep calling cube colors or at that point draw the cards. Because yeah, that uh, that was a huge, yeah. huge advantage. At the end. But we it, won't it, get beat that badly. And next time, I will build a warehouse. Depending upon what, but I'll build the, the one advantage of building the warehouse. That's five or six cubes. Is you're essentially passing because you get rid of all of the cubes on the spaces. So you're basically just getting more turns in the game by building bigger buildings. If you do that earlier in the mm-hmm. game, it's going to be better. Right. Like so now, I know that. I, I agree with Scott, though. I think in future games, we probably won't be as hurt by that strategy because we'll we'll know to conserve space a little bit better. But it certainly felt pretty painful in our yeah. first game. So uh, another interesting thing. So there's a game mode we didn't play, which is a bingo-style game mode, which when you do combine multiple copies, you play that, where one person is drawing from a deck, I believe, um, and you're, you're all playing the same buildings and you're drawing from a deck. And what they're going to do with that is they're going to have some people on YouTube like some some like celebrities, I think somebody from Geek and Sundry is going to do one. Um, just some like YouTube famous people that will will do the bingo call, so that if you own Tiny Towns, you can play that version just lo- uh, with them on YouTube, like <laughs> to their recording, and then you can record your points, and you so you can play with thousands of people theoretically. That right. has to have some way to check. Yeah, back, so you, if they're doing it live, otherwise you can yeah really yeah. strategize it out, but. You know, yeah. But even like even a, that a is okay. Like, yeah. you're Nobody trying to figure it. out the best way to do a puzzle, right? Like. So so there's a really interesting bit to that. Uh, one of the other so so yeah, Tiny Towns. I'm really high on. I really like the game, um, and I feel like it's gonna it's gonna play really well in our environment here. It doesn't take long to teach. Uh, you can learn from the rule book just fine. It's not complicated. 
Um, so in addition, speaking of easy to teach and beautiful, this game's more beautiful than the last one. We also played Catch the Moon today. Yes, this is designed, this is a Bombix release designed by Emmanuel Malin and Fabian Rafaud Juan Rodriguez. Yeah. So this is a dexterity game. Is anybody else? I didn't even read the rule book for this. Jeff, you want to take that? Yeah. So essentially, uh, <laughs> there's a base. You put two, there's these wooden ladders that you use for the dexterity game. I think the theme is that you're building ladders to try to grab the moon. Um, so there's a base, you put two ladders in it, and then you go around rolling a die. The die will either say you need to place another ladder on the structure that touches exactly one other ladder. It might say you need to place a ladder on the structure that touches two other ladders. Or it might say you need to place a ladder on the structure that will be that ends up being the highest ladder on the structure when you're done placing it. And it feels like just a normal dexterity game at the beginning where everyone rolls, they place their thing, and you go around and around and around. Uh, however, we learned it's actually – I thought this game was a pretty good dexterity game. Yeah. I thought it was it, – there were moments where we all gasped at the same time, and yeah, it was fun. And Peter yeah. won. Peter won. We had, we had one ladder. So if the ladder ever touches the base or the table, just like in most dexterity games, uh, whoever made it touch the base or the table – gets a, a negative point essentially it's called the tier uh but there was one ladder who on like turn three yeah. or four i think it was turn two was like <laughs> I, I hit it and it less hinged. than an inch from the base it yeah. was still hanging on yeah, by like less than swung an inch. and then caught. it was still there at yeah. the end of the game and so everyone who placed their ladder after that was making sure that they weren't going to knock this other ladder off so right. it hit the base I, mm. so it's like a lot of dexterity games where if you mess the tower up then you you lose you lo you essentially get a negative point but the thing i liked about it was if you do it if you do that once you just keep playing the game's not instantly over mm -hmm. yeah and there's a lot of games where you're building something and you're, you're it's coming to a head where everything's just going to fall but this this had a nice moment where like that happened but then we just kept going and like whatever was remaining on the tower we just kept playing yeah and in, you, instead of having one loser you did have one winner yes well and yeah. if you took the last yeah. tier even if it was the first tier you got, you cannot win. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting too. So you, you kept more people in the game. Yeah. Oh. And I, I also think the, the okay. smart thing about this game from a dexterity perspective is that ladders are like the perfect thing to use for a dexterity game, I found out, because there's so many places yes. where they can catch on each other. So even if the whole tower, with the exception of Cody, where the entire tower just fell over, there were many yeah. times where the <laughs> yeah. tower yeah. like shifted but didn't fall mm -hmm. over because it caught somewhere else. Yeah, because yeah, they're bracing and, each other. And they're, right. not, they're not like perfect ladders. They're weird... Like yeah, there's different kinds angled too. and rungs missing or half missing like there's a lot of cool like it's pretty it, it really is a pretty game too. spiel cast approved yeah, yeah. so and table we'll presence oh my god table yeah it presence. will soon be spiel bound approved because it has table presence so people will see people playing and be like i want to play that ladder game so i will say tiny towns was one of the few versions that didn't have table presence i saw a game though that was the most egregious like because that's my new thing is like every game that gets big is going to have table presence I liked, factor i liked i liked the uh, tiny towns table present like it wasn't not like huge or anything but like the cubes and the colorful stuff like it was a colorful it was chunky oh but it's nothing compared yeah. to yeah so so the most no, no. so the most egregious version of this was a game called tudor so it's about the tudors uh what the italian t-u-d-o-r right they're british british. Yeah, british or whatever <laughs> uh so monarchs that monarchy uh Cody your, wouldn't have been a your player aid your player screen was a, a giant, giant flower. a giant hand a face so the back of the hand was facing the other players and your points clearly I didn't actually play the game I just walked by your points are giant 
pla- resin rings that you put <laughs> on the fingers of the hand of your player board. So they all had, and the, they probably stood a foot off of the table. So everybody's player screen was this foot, <laughs> like foot high cardboard hand with these giant chunky rings on them. That's Can super you great. fold down some of the fingers so there's only one remaining? <laughs> <laughs> they do not appear to have knuckles, functioning knuckles. No. So, uh, yeah. So speaking of table, that's presents, awesome. There was hilarious. One, there was one cool moment and I felt pretty lucky to be a part of it. Um, so Ryan Lauket, the designer of Above and Below, Near and Far. There's another one I can't remember. Yeah, it's and artist and publisher and yeah, everything. he does the art. He does the third it, one in that series, whatever it's called. I I can't remember, but he he was Islebound. Yes. Islebound, yeah, and and he was. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Peter. <laughs> there was a fourth one, very similar in the series that he was doing with the same cards, and I got the promo cards for it. Like, is it his Target exclusive uh, Mega Land? No, no, no. This is a new one that, that was just coming out. Okay. And I, can't, I can't remember the name of it. But as I was about to play that, one of his... So Ryan Lauket was there demoing it. Um, he he had a prototype game that hasn't gone to the uh, printer yet. And he just had one printing of it. And somebody came by and was like, hey, can you teach me that? And I was like, I want to learn that. Uh, so every one of his other games is on this big board. And it's got sort of like resource collecting thing with the characters and like storybooks and stuff. This was unlike any Ryan Lauket game I'd, I'd ever played. It was called Rome, and he managed to work story into it, but there was very little story <laughs> in the game. There were six cards. They all, they all had, on the back of the card, they all had like a, like a map on them with a grid of six, and you laid six of them out, so you ended up having a grid of six by six with all the cards laid out. Um, each card was two by three. And on your turn, you used the the people in front of you. They would have, like, they might have two cards side by side. So on my turn, I could flip over the two cards side by side, and I could place two of my color on any two spots on the board, right? And so I was, you were area controlling. And as soon as a card out there filled up, uh, whoever had the most color on it got to take that card. And so you were you were competing over those six cards. You took the card... And on the other side of it was a person. You found this person who had the sleepwalking disease. And it said what they were doing. It had this like little whimsical thing. Uh, and it was just really cool. Was it good? It was really good. Yeah. It was it short? Should have been shorter than it was. But like his games, <laughs> it was pretty long. Uh, it probably took about an hour. His um, games are too long. Yeah. And this one, you could have shortened it really quickly by doing that. But it, it was it was pretty, I would say, for the for the visual factor the thing that was nicest about it is he does these really unique looking characters right and they're on these little one by two inch pieces of cardboard right and he always has these characters well they don't exist in this game instead it's all tarot cards and so you get to see his actual portrait artwork on these big tarot cards so that's cool it's the first time i've seen his artwork like really blown up and so then you could really it was really gorgeous like it's a pretty game, and I think he said he was hoping for like fourth quarter of this year for that to come out. But was it awesome to meet him? It was really cool to meet him. Yeah, yeah. But at that thing, everybody was everybody was excited. So you just yeah. I've heard that that uh, I've heard from multiple publishers and game designers on podcasts and just talking to them at other cons that that convention is their favorite of the year. Uh, so I now have the network for it. Like this year, we were kind of like we were learning and there were game nights every night where the publishers were putting out and demoing games. So I demoed a ton of games. Um, But clearly right after game night was go drinking and karaoke with the people that, you know, Mm -hmm. night. And I like, I didn't know anybody. And so 
by the end of it, I now know some people that I'll be clearly emailing all year. Um, and it'll be nice to see them again next year. And I can see, I can see how next year I'll be way more social right. than, I, than I am this year. Um, but the convention floor was only open for 10 total hours. It was insane. It was huge. Uh, t- yeah, it, it was really interesting to just be like, well, these are the 10 hours over two days that I can actually like go on the floor and actually see the games and order games and stuff like that. So when the, it wasn't open, you were at forums and stuff. Yeah. Every morning there was like morning, afternoon, there were 10 hour blocks of, uh, seminars. So what was the total attendance headcount? 500 retailers they sold out of retailers um and then i don't know how many publishers and i mean there are probably how many badges how many each retailer? How there many? were probably a thousand people there oh that's about two small. That's pretty small yeah yeah that's and why it's their favorite is because yeah. yeah you and get to rub elbows with the designers oh, yeah, and play sure. games there, there that were, you don't have to deal with everybody's retailer like yeah. so it was it, it was good it was really good and we're all in the one convention center in reno so yeah it was good good well uh, if you, I think that wraps up this episode of the Spielcast. So if you want to contact me, you can do so by emailing spielcast at spielbound.org. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, Jeff. Uh, I don't have any control over emails. Uh, you know who does? Scott at yep. spielbound.com. Yeah. I don't actually. Oh, it's, neither. It's Caleb at spielbound.org or com. Neither so does. So email Caleb and tell him hashtag get Jeff an email. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, Cody at spielbound.com or uh, Twitter, Cody Jorgensen. Pete at Spielbound.org. Scott underscore Odell. <laughs> Just in case you couldn't hear the smirk, there was a smirk. <laughs> there was a smirk. And we didn't catch the moon. Or I didn't catch the moon. But I did see an eclipse. Thanks, Scott. Was- Thank you.